So today as we begin, God with us, we're going to be talking about hope. And in the summer of 2017, two longtime friends who were commercial fishermen, John Eldridge and Anthony Sosinski, set out from Montauk, Long Island, about 40 miles out at sea. Anthony, one of them, was sleeping beneath the boat, below deck, while John was getting ready to start fishing. John was pulling on the handle of a cooler as he was preparing, and the handle snapped, sending him sprawling right off the back of the boat. Now the boat was on autopilot, so it just kept going. And as soon as John surfaced, he began screaming for help, but he knew that nobody could hear him because his mate Anthony was sleeping below deck. No one would ever hear him. John watched as the boat went up over a crest of wave, one after the other, and then it was gone. He was alone, treading water in the ocean without a life vest, thinking how he would die. While John was kind of floating there and trying to calm down and stay afloat, he realized that his feet were floating up to the surface because his boots were floating. So he took off his boots, emptied of them of water, flipped them over, plunged them back underneath the water, where he was able to create two small flotation devices to put under each one of his arms. Just a little ray of hope to keep his head above water. Well, four hours pass by and his friend Anthony wakes up in the bottom of the boat. He calls the Coast Guard frantically, reporting that his friend John is gone. The Coast Guard begins to move things into motion, but they admitted that there was little hope to finding John in an area because of that four-hour window of time. It had now become an area about the size of Rhode Island that they were looking for John in. Through a series of events, they were able to narrow down this area, but the hours simply kept passing by with no sign of John. As morning came, John saw a fishing buoy And he was able to swim over to it and climb up on it and grab onto it and just get a little bit more hope that he could potentially survive. Less than an hour after finding this buoy, a Coast Guard helicopter flew nearby and spotted John waving frantically in splashing water and they pulled him to safety. The Coast Guard rescue diver told John, we've been looking for you for nine hours today. And John responded and said, I've been looking for you guys for 12. (laughs) Have you ever been there? In a place with little or no hope? Maybe it's not floating in the middle of the ocean. Lost at sea, but it might feel like that. When you lose a job, when your health deteriorates, hope fades. When there's no answer or easy solution, When a relationship that was once life-giving now becomes soul-sucking to you, hope fades. When a close companion betrays your trust, or when you thought you were guaranteed success only to have brutal and utter failure, hope fades. If you haven't been there, just wait. Because at some point in your life, you will have a moment or a season where your hope will be tested, where the waters will seem deep, And hope will fade. And as we enter into the season of Advent, Advent, as we just heard, means arrival. 
that we are recognizing that 2,000 years ago, one arrived. His name was Jesus. And we celebrate his arrival, but we also look forward that one day he is coming again. And we live in this privileged position in history. That we can look back and see that what God has promised, he has fulfilled. And then we can look forward and say what he has promised for the future, we have seen in the past his faithfulness, so we can see that he will be faithful with the future. And as we prepare for this arrival of Jesus, we are doing this series called God With Us. And we're talking about hope, and this hope points us towards the trustworthy nature of God. And a simple definition of hope is waiting in confident anticipation for what you know will happen. Waiting in anticipation, confident anticipation for what you know will happen. Not maybe happen, but you know what's going to happen. If you go to Germany, you know if a train is supposed to arrive at 1127, it is going to arrive at 1127. If you're in the middle of the night, you know that at some point the sun is going to arise like it does every single day. That is hope. Or it might be your mom telling you you're going to, she's going to bake you this incredible pumpkin pie for Christmas. And you know when you arrive at Christmas that pie is going to be waiting for you. But hope is waiting in confident expectation, knowing, knowing that it will happen. And as we look at life and as we look in God's word, we see that many people waited in hope. And they hoped for what God had promised. And one of these people that we come across, his name is Abraham. And we find Abraham's story in the Bible kind of all over the place because he's referenced many different times. But we first see him in the Old Testament on the Bible timeline under this movement called the Patriarchs. But when we fast forward, we're going to look in the book of Hebrews today, and that is under church, mission, and future. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to a Jewish group of Christians. And it's about how Jesus is greater than everything else. He's greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's greater than any priests. He's greater than any angels. Jesus is greater than all this. And that we need to find our hope in him. And so if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Hebrews 6 Verses 13 to 20 today. We're also on the YouVersion app. You can pull it up under events and the scripture is written right in there for you. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to gift you one today. But we're going to begin in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter, chapter 6. And here's what it says. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I'll multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Now earlier in the book of Hebrews, the writer was talking about remaining steadfast in your belief. That once you have tasted and you know who God is, once you've experienced all these things of who God is to you, live in hope. Live in hope. And again and again through scripture, we see that Abraham is this example Abraham was given a promise that a mighty nation was going to be built for him. But the issue with Abraham is he didn't have any children. And so Abraham waited in hope. 
And he waited and waited and waited. And different times throughout Abraham's life, God visited him and said, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a great nation. But he kept waiting all the way to 100 years old. Until finally the promise was fulfilled. When his son Isaac was born. Have you ever had to wait? Have you ever had to wait for a promise to be fulfilled? Maybe you're in a season of waiting right now. Has your faith been tested? In the midst of struggles to hold on in the midst of whatever's going on? Have you heard God speak promises into your life where you've thought, you know, there's no possible way that this could happen? Promises of what he'd do in you and through you or for you. And are you waiting, but more specifically, are you waiting in hope? Nami and I met in England back in 2000. And in 2001, we started dating and we ended up going different directions and living in different countries and had a long distance relationship across many oceans and miles and trains and airplanes. And there was a lot of waiting and waiting in hope. But to begin with, we really didn't know whether or not it was going to happen. But after I went and lived in Korea and asked for a hand in marriage, I went back to the U.S. and had to apply for all these series of visas for her to come here. And then I had to wait. But at that point, it was waiting in anticipation, knowing that this was going to happen. It wasn't hoping, it wasn't wishing or dreaming. I had come to a point that we had gone so far and seen so many of God's provisions in our lives, we were just waiting to see it actually happen. And when I came back from Korea, I applied and I waited for, or we waited for one year before she was able to come to the United States. And then we got married in like six weeks. We are like, we waited long enough. But what is it that you are waiting for? And not all stories have happy endings. Don't misunderstand me that we can look at the Bible and there's some things we might wait for our whole lives and never see it. But are we waiting in hope? Because if God has promised something to you, his promises are based off of his character. And so when we look in scripture and we come across promises of God, it is not him saying, well, maybe this will happen. He says, no, this is who I am and this is what I've promised to you. If you look at Abraham's life, God made a promise to Abraham, but then Abraham was waiting so long, he decided to take matters into his own hands. And Sarah gave her servant to Abraham to try to get a descendant to, to carry on the lineage. But God said, I'm not going to have anything to do with how you're going to make my promise happen. I'm going to make my promise happen in your life. And you see that even when we try to make it happen in our time, in our way, figuring it out for ourselves, God doesn't necessarily put his hand of blessing on that. But if we keep holding on to the character of God and the promise of God, he will bring that hope and the promise into fulfillment in his time. Look at verse 16. It says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. 
So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So you see two things here. That this promise is based off the character of God. And these two words, promise and oath. Now a promise is agreeing to do something in the future. That I promise I'm going to do something at a future event. And an oath is a parallel with this. That an oath is even more than a promise because it's based off the character of the individual who is making the promise. You're in a sense, without saying it, you're saying, because of who I am, I can guarantee what is going to happen. And that's what God is saying here. That when life happens, when the wheels fall off, when you're not sure how things are going to work out, do you have hope in God? In the character of God, that he is a good God. And that he has good things planned for your life. A God who is present, who says, I want to breathe hope into even hopeless situations. And no matter what happens, we go back to the character of God and the promises and oath built off of him. I'm really hesitant when people go to God's word and sort of do the name it and claim it thing. They're like, man, I'm claiming this promise for myself and God, you have to do it in, in the way that I want it done in my time frame and what I think. That is so dangerous. But I don't believe that many of us are on that side of the coin and claiming so many promises of God in just erroneous ways. Too often, it's that we're claiming too little promises of God. That God has made all these promises and we're sitting here not claiming enough. That there's so many that God has promised and we're sitting here saying, well, why why isn't God doing this? And I believe we need to come back to the character of God. And it's not that we're claiming too many, it's, it's that we're claiming too few. It's time we get back to God's word and God's character and grab a hold of who God has said he is and what he says he's going to do for our lives. And there's many things that we can camp on that are promises through all ages to all people through all generations. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That is a promise for all people at all time. Jesus says, actually in 1 John it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That's a promise of God. If we confess, he forgives. He has promised us eternal life in his son Jesus. He has promised us that if we pray and ask for a filling of the spirit of God, he will fill us with his spirit. And there's countless promises that we need to begin to claim and put in our lives and say, God, this is based off your character. This is based off who you are. And so I'm going to believe it and I'm going to live in hope. The writer of Hebrews continues on in verse 18 and states, Therefore we have fled to him for refuge. Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can take great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I've heard way too many stories of people fleeing from God. Of running away from God. And even in those running ways, I believe God pursues people. And God chases them down. I like to call God the hound of heaven. That once he gets your scent, there's no getting him off your trail. But in this passage, the writer of Hebrews is not saying fleeing from God. To those who have flee, and flee to God. Oh, it didn't. There we go. 
to those who have fled to God, we have this confidence in him. And this idea of fleeing here is not just running away from something, it's running to something. That we are fleeing to God for safety, for refuge, or as the psalmist says, the Lord is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in the time of need. That this is running towards God. And this is running towards rescue and towards protection. And there's countless stories of running away from and towards rescue. If you've been tracking on the news the stories, the, the um, fires out in California with Paradise, California, where the whole town basically burned to the ground, there are many stories of people fleeing and being rescued. One story that I read in, on time.com was about a chaplain from a hospital who filled his minivan with critically ill patients and was fleeing from this fire. And as the flames surrounded his minivan, literally, he began to tell the people in the van, we just need God's hand to cover us, cover the vehicle, and even when the fires surround us. And as he drove down the road, there was gridlock. There's cars literally bursting into flames in front of him. And as he moved on, they ended up taking refuge in a little church parking lot. But some rescue personnel came and said, no, you can't remain here. It's too small of a parking lot. You need to go over to a larger parking lot, and here's the way to go. So they go to head towards this parking lot, and as they're driving, he said he saw in front of him, he said it was, I want to get the actual, a insurmountable darkness. As a building was engulfed in flames right next to the road. The woman sitting next to him in the front seat of the van was screaming for him to stop, but there was no going back. And so he floored the van through the flames, through the darkness, and came out on the other side. At the same time, his two children, along with their grandmother, were also trying to escape the same fire in a truck. When they asked the son how he kept his cool, he said he and his grandmother cited Bible verses to each other, including the story of three faithful men who escaped a fiery furnace. They didn't hold on to hope in themselves. They held on tight to the hope only found in God. And what we're talking about is not just fleeing from a fire, This is fleeing to God when there is no other possible place to go. We're not talking about taking refuge in vans, in parking lots, in relationships, in money, in status. No, we are talking about taking refuge in the Lord as our strength. That the Lord is the one that we flee to for hope. And this hope, according to verse 19, is a trustworthy anchor for our souls. It anchors our life. And what is an anchor for? An anchor is meant to keep a boat or a ship in place, be it in the harbor or in a storm or out at sea. This word anchor here is also used in the book of Acts when Paul is out on a ship and is getting ready to get shipwrecked and the 
The people on the boat take four anchors and throw them off the back of the boat to try to slow down the boat to keep it from shipwrecking. So in other words, an anchor reaches from a vessel through the storms, through the seas, and embeds itself into something solid to keep the vessel from being harmed. Let me say that again. An anchor reaches out from the vessel through the storm, through the seas, and embeds itself into something solid to keep that vessel from being harmed. Or you could put it this way, hope reaches through the storms of life and anchors us in God. Hope reaches through the storms of life and anchors us in God. That when we are in deep waters, when the struggles of life are overtaking us, we hold on to hope in the midst of chaos. We take that anchor and we throw it into God and his character and who we are and said, I need to just hold on to you. And finally, we read in verses 19 to 20 that this hope leads us through the curtains into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our great eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This hope leads us into the presence of God. And what do we discover in the presence of God? In the inner sanctuary, according to verse 20, we discover that Jesus is there. We discover that we are in the presence of God. And, and when it says that he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek was an Old Testament priest who we don't know his history or his future, but he just appeared there for a moment. And so he's considered an eternal priest. And so Jesus isn't temporarily in the presence of God. He is there forever interceding for us, pleading for us in front of God and saying, God, these people need your help. These people need hope. And he is standing there in the presence of God constantly on our behalf. Jesus knows your pain. He knows your fear. He knows your struggles. He knows your hurts. He knows what's going on inside of you. And he stands before God and says, these people, I know them. And God, they need your hope. This is the hope we hold on to. That we have full access into God's presence and that what he has promised in his character, he will fulfill in our lives. 2,000 years ago, in an obscure village outside of Jerusalem, a child was born. And he was given the name Emmanuel, one of many names, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God come to us. Or as we sing in the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, it states, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That all the hopes that we had, all the fears that we had, that, that hope of a new tomorrow, that rescue from captivity, the hope that there's more to life than oppression and suffering or being on the losing end, more to life than temporary pleasure or pain, that we can look back and we can see Jesus, the hope for all humanity, that he came and he was born, but he lived, he died, he rose again, ascended to heaven, and one day he is coming back to rescue and ultimately heal and bring deliverance and hope. And the incredible thing today is he is here. That Jesus is here 
with us, and he is the hope that we hold on to. So I ask you, where is your life anchored? Where is your anchor of hope? In my early 20s, my anchor was in having a good time, a hot girlfriend living one party to the next. But then the storms of life came. And I realized that my anchor was not in anything solid. And I wondered why it felt like I was just spinning out of control when the winds of suffering blew, when the waves of loss crashed in and the storms of life arose. Why was I spinning out of control? It's because my life was not anchored in anything substantial beyond myself, beyond my own hopes and dreams. And I need to come back and find my life anchored in Jesus. And as I anchored my life in Jesus, he pulled me out of these storms. And he met me me in the midst of these storms. And he gave me a hope that is beyond anything this world can offer. So I ask you, where is your life anchored? And next, today, make a decision to anchor your life in Jesus. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you have said yes to Jesus and anchored your life into Jesus at some point. But I believe we need to say it again and again and again. Or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. And today, God is speaking to you and he's saying, you need to throw your anchor into something that will never change and never let you down and will give you hope through whatever situations you face. But wherever you are at today, I pray that your life would be anchored in Jesus. And I don't know what's going on inside you, but on messages like this, I'd be amiss to not allow you a moment to respond. And I haven't planned anything, but if you're in a point of hopelessness right now, might just be in one area or in multiple areas, I think it's powerful to make movement. It's powerful to make movement and simply come up here and maybe just stand up here with open hands for the last song And say, God, I need you to bring fresh hope into my life. I need you to breathe new life into me. I need to be anchored back in that. And if God is speaking to you, I would encourage you to simply come forward today to re-anchor your life in Jesus. And I'd love to pray for you. Any of the elders or ministry leaders would love to pray for you. But don't anchor your life in things that when the storms come, And life happens that your life gets tossed out of control. So I'd invite you to come forward right now. And the worship team can come on up. And so if you want to anchor your life or re-anchor your life in Jesus, I'd encourage you to make that movement. And I'll say a prayer and then you can feel free to come on up and I'd love to pray for you. And if you just want to do business with God right in your seat there, there's no difference between here and there but I always want to give you that opportunity. So Father God, as we have talked about anchoring our hope only in you, that we are waiting in anticipation for your life, for your truth, for your promises to be fulfilled in our lives, God. May we wait 
trusting and hoping and anchoring our life in the character of God. That you have given us a hope that is beyond our circumstances, beyond this world. You have given us hope that is found in you, Jesus. And may we re-anchor ourselves in that this morning. So God, we look to you. We look to anchor ourselves in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.